It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Before we get into that, of course, the big story from Thursday was that the NFL regular season schedule was released Thursday night. And so we're going to quick run through the Panthers schedule, talk about that quick, and then we'll have the interview with Ben Fennell talking the NFC North. So the Panthers, for the first time since 2013, will actually get to open the regular season at home. They'll open Sunday, September 9th in a 425 national doubleheader game on Fox against the Dallas Cowboys. So an an interesting week one game there between Cam Newton and Dak Prescott there. Dak Prescott, of course, entering year three. And the Cowboys now life after Des Bryant, after he was released released recently. And now, of course, all the speculation that he could be going to the Giants. A lot of people are saying he's definitely interested. And they did just release Brandon Marshall, so we'll see. But Dallas week one. Then they head to the road for their first divisional game. That'll be week two, Sunday, September 16th, at the Atlanta Falcons, who, of course, will be part of the NFL's kickoff game on Thursday, September 6th, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Then the Panthers will be on CBS for the first time, Sunday, September 23rd, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals, of course, have a lot of draft picks. We'll see what they have in store come week three. This will also be the first time these two teams are meeting since that infamous tie game a few seasons ago. The year, of course, that the Panthers won the NFC South at 7-8-1. So, and of course, now we're now we're in the, the world of a shorter overtime. So would it, would it be funny if they tie again? Pro- probably won't happen, but it's, it's always funny when teams meet... And one of their most recent meetings was a tie. But then the Panthers kind of drew the short end of the stick because they get one of the early buys this season. Their buy comes in week four. So that means they're going 13 straight weeks playing a game. They'll come out of the buy October 7th when they host the New York Giants, the Dave Gettleman revenge game. Gettleman now, of course, the GM of the Giants and... Sitting there with the number two overall pick. Will they keep it? Will they keep Saquon Barkley? Will they trade it? We'll find out. Uh, But that's week five. Then week six, back on the road. And by the way, these last couple games, a whole bunch of these games are one o'clock starts up until you get into November. Uh, So then October 14th, the one o'clock kick 
at the Washington Redskins. So their first time seeing Alex Smith in his new digs in Washington. Of course, they also signed Paul Richardson. Some mocks are saying they could take Darius Guy. Some are take, saying they could take a safety. So it'll be interesting to see what the Redskins look like by the time we get to week six. Then week seven is their trip to the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Sunday, October 21st, 1 o'clock, Carolina at Philadelphia. Last season, of course, the Eagles beat the Panthers on a Thursday night. This time it's an, it's an early Sunday afternoon game, and we expect Carson Wentz will be back by that game. You know, he could be back by week one when they play, when the Eagles play the Falcons. We'll see. But certainly Wentz should hopefully be back uh, by that meeting. And then October 28th, back home for a 1 o'clock kick against Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. Then they finally get back to divisional play. As you'll see, their schedule is very backloaded with divisional matchups. I mean, as you saw, as we went through only one divisional game in the first two months of the season, week two against Atlanta, and then they don't play their next division game until November 4th when they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then it's a primetime showdown, Thursday night, November 8th, and of course Fox has the Thursday night schedule this year, and overall the th Thursday night schedule looks really good. There's a lot of good games, including this one. Uh, the two teams that always meet at the end of the preseason. They and we you know, we mentioned that when we talked about the preseason schedule. It'll be interesting when they play the Steelers. Well, there you go. Week ten, November eighth, a Thursday night game, Carolina at Pittsburgh. It's an eight twenty kickoff on Fox. And then on the road again after of course a mini bye playing on Thursday, November eighteenth, when they visit the Detroit Lions. Then they come back home November 25th, that's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, when they will host Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And then it really becomes crunch time in terms of the division. Four of their last five games are divisional opponents. As we turn the, turn the calendar to December, they'll start at Tampa Bay on December 2nd. That's a 1 o'clock kickoff. And then at Cleveland, of course, hold two of the top four picks in the draft. Uh, we don't expect the quarterback that they draft to be playing at that point. Uh, otherwise, something will have gone really wrong with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but the player they do pick at fourth, should they keep the fourth pick, certainly will be in the mix. So December 9th at Cleveland, and certainly probably going to be a little chilly there because we know how Cleveland can get in December. And then they finally see... The New Orleans Saints, obviously the team that gave the Panthers a lot of trouble last season when the Saints beat them three times, including the wildcard playoff. But they won't meet until week 15, and that is a Monday night game at home on December 17th. That's 8.15 on ESPN. And then they will host the Atlanta Falcons Sunday, December 23rd before closing the season December 30th at New Orleans. So two of their last three games are against the Saints. And again, their last three and four of their last five are within the division. So really, really a big opportunity to 
make some ground to the division if they're making some headway, you know, if, if they're in contention through the first few weeks. But cert- certainly a tough start. You know, Dallas and Atlanta, first weeks of the season, certainly is no easy, no easy task. Bengals, depending on how they look, uh, but at home should be should be a good spot for them. You know, Gi- Giants are going to be an intriguing team. How much they'll bounce back under new head coach Pat Shermer. Washington and Philadelphia on the road. Uh, Tampa at home, and then a short week to visit the Steelers. That that's going to be tough. And then again, the, the four of the last five in the division. So overall, I mean, obviously we knew who they were going to play uh, in terms of who and where. This just filled in the when. So two primetime games. Again, the Thursday night game, November 8th at the Steelers. And then the Monday night game, December 17th against the Saints. And then the 425 kickoff week one against the Cowboys. Everything else is a one o'clock start. So that's the Panthers' schedule. Obviously, we'll get a little more in depth as the as we get closer to the regular season. But for now, we'll take a quick break, come back, and Ben Fennel will be joining the program. We'll be talking NFC North draft previews. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line, or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire. Hit you guys back up as we are rolling along through our draft divisional previews. This time around, it is the NFC North, and what better person than Ben Fennell joining me to talk about the four teams in the division, including the Packers, a team he's been pretty close to. You've seen him on Twitter chatting up the Packers. We're going to talk about them and the rest of the NFC North. So, Ben, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. How you doing? 
Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Bill. We're uh, getting down to the home stretch of the draft now. There's a lot of rumors and sources and a lot of things to weed through, but uh, it's the fun time of year. I've said on some of the other divisional previews, it's we love the build-up to the draft, but the, these last few days are like really, really dogging it because it's it's all these ugly rumors that you got got excuse me kind of got to wade through. You know, like the ugly one that surfaced the other day with that three-team deal, which was just really really silly. So this this is this is a high class silly season, as it were, these last few days, and I'm sure you're well aware of that. Yeah, things get just a little overanalyzed at this time, and you start to hear some things. You don't know if there's smoke screens, if there's any validity to things. And you know teams are obviously talking to each other, so there's conversations going on, and then it's a matter if that stuff gets out and how much value you put in it. Mm-hmm. So let's get going. Uh, as always, we'll run through the division in order of when the teams are picking. Of course, all four teams here have a pick in the first round, so we'll just jump right into it. With the Chicago Bears, who are picking at number eight, uh, new head coach in Matt Nagy, and they certainly have really beefed up the offense through free agency. Guys like Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, really trying to surround uh, Mitchell Trubisky, last year's first-round pick. So the consensus kind of seems that the Bears are going to go defense with the first pick, and a lot of mocks have given them Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech. So... What are your thoughts on Edmonds, and if he does end up being the pick at number eight, how does he fit into the Bears' defense? Yeah, I think Chicago is definitely trying to get more athletic, especially along that second level of their defense. You know, uh, they haven't been able to find a linebacker pair to kind of be a staple since Lance Briggs and Brian Urlacher, Uh, whether there's a couple reasons for, you know, bad draft picks like John Bostick or guys getting injured like Danny Trevathan uh, or the – kid they brought over from, uh, excuse me, Indianapolis that also got suspended. So they just haven't been able to find some staple players there. I think they want someone for the long term. Tremaine Edmonds obviously is young and athletic and uh, would be a spark plug for that second level of the defense. I could also see them going Roquan Smith or even if a guy like a uh, Denzel Ward was sitting there available at eight, I wouldn't uh, be opposed to them pulling the trigger on a potentially uh, staple cornerback. Now, we know um, Denzel Ward has also been another possible option for uh, for the Bears, or has been talked about with the Bears. You know, and they did they did uh, match the offer sheet from the Packers on Kyle Fuller. Do you think cornerback is still a pretty big need? Do you think they would have to spend the first-round pick if they want to go that route with Denzel Ward? Uh, I think them bringing back Kyle Fuller showed their confidence and faith in Fuller, and he's been an up-and-down player since uh, being a first-round pick in 2014. I also think they were pleasantly surprised with the play of uh, Prince Amukamara, who they got in free agency last offseason. So I don't think they're too desperate. In the play of Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson, who was a fourth-round pick last year, played over 95% of the snaps, and they really limited a lot of the big plays and kind of the hiccups off the back end that – have plagued them previous years. So I would agree with you. I don't think cornerback DB is going to be as much of a priority over that linebacker position. But if a player like Denzel Ward is sitting there and on on their board, they have him valued very high. I wouldn't put it past them. And uh, real quick too. I mean, you know, chance are probably low that both of these players 
make it there. But on the off chance that Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson, or at least one of them, make it to number eight for Chicago, how much do you think Chicago looks at those players instead of a guy like Edmonds if they have that if they have that choice? Yeah, I think uh, Chicago, I think, is in a great position that they addressed a lot of their major needs in free agency. They went and got Trey Burton and Allen Robinson, uh, you know, and brought back Kyle Fuller and got some more uh, edge rushers like Aaron Lynch from San Francisco. So when you do that in free agency, then they're not as desperate in the draft and they can kind of let the board come to them. Let's say Quentin Nelson does fall and he's their highest rated player. He absolutely could be a, a pick for them at number eight. They're looking to bolster that interior offensive line and kind of figure out who's going to be the left tackle, left guard of the future there. They like Cody Whitehair. They like Kyle Long. Um, so, obviously, they didn't bring back Josh Sitton. We know what type of player Quentin Nelson is. If he's sitting there at, at eight, I wouldn't put it past him either. But when you do your work in free agency, then it lets things uh, you know come to you a little bit easier in the draft, and you're not as desperate to overdraft somebody just because they feel a need. Let's move to Green Bay now. Obviously, a team you're pretty well familiar with, and we know the two biggest needs for the Packers look to be pass rusher and defensive back, especially after trading Demarius Randall to the Cleveland Browns. Marcus Davenport has been thought of as an option. Maybe Harold Landry if he gets there. Some think, you know, even Derwin James has a possibility possibility to fall there. Minka Fitzpatrick. What's your take on what the Packers draft board could look like and what they could do with the 14th overall pick? Yeah, there's going to be some intriguing options. I think Derwin or Minka will be available. It's also interesting picking right behind the Washington Redskins, who also are looking for a dynamic, versatile safety now that they've lost Sua Cravens. They traded their nickel, uh, Kendall Fuller, to the Chiefs. They had an unfortunate career-ending injury with Keyshawn Jarrett two years ago. So... They're also going to be looking for that hybrid safety corner, just like Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick, that they might come swoop in one of those players to pick before the Packers. But with us uh, getting rid of Demarius Randall, our pseudo corner number one, I think we really need to fill that corner number one spot. And I would just be shocked to not see Green Bay go after a cornerback with that first pick. I think they like Kevin King, but I don't think he's making the – them feel safe about their cornerback room, bringing back Devon House and another veteran like Tremont Williams gives some depth and, uh, you know, can maybe hold the ship until a younger corner is ready to take over. But I just would be very shocked if they didn't address the cornerback position with that first selection. Do you think wide receiver, too, after they released Jordy Nelson, do you think they addressed that at some point in the draft, too? Yeah, absolutely. And even with Jordy Nelson on the team, it's no secret they were looking for more speed on the outside. And he saw the ways they would try to work in Trevor Davis from time to time to stretch the field outside the numbers. They're still looking for that player. They don't know if Trevor Davis is going to be that going forward or Geronimo Allison or maybe D'Angelo Yancey, the fifth round pick from Purdue last year, who spent the year on the practice squad, whether he'll be ready to uh, contribute, you know, and make the roster and dress on Sundays. So I can definitely see them in the mid to late rounds going and trying to get one of these big-bodied receivers that can run really well, whether it's a DJ Shark from LSU or uh, the kid from South Florida who is 6'4 and can run in the 4'3s. There's a kid from Franklin College that they brought in a couple weeks ago, Deontes Alexander, who's a tall, long, lean 
outside the numbers receiver that can really run. So there's definitely some mid to late round options, and I, I would definitely think the Packers are trying to get more uh, speed on the outside. What else do you think is is possible for the Packers? You know, we, we kind of addressed the top needs, but where else do you think they could use some help or some depth as we go through the draft? Maybe not necessarily in the, in the top rounds, but maybe throughout the draft day two. Yeah, you know, I think everybody in the NFL is looking to get more explosive and quicker and younger as far as getting after the passer. So adding another edge rushing piece to work into the room just to add competition, I think, is on everybody's board in the league. So I don't think that sets the Packers apart. I don't think the Packers are as desperate for an edge rusher as people may uh, portray or as it's advertised. I think they had trouble getting to the quarterback last year. But they have talent in that room, and whether that's working in a young guy like Reggie Gilbert or getting Nick Perry healthy or getting Clay Matthews back to the level of play we expect, I think they have players in there that can produce. And the old adage, show me four players that can cover, I'll show you four players that can rush the passer. And I think as we bolster the back end and have some corners that can hold their own one-on-one and cause some disruption off the line of scrimmage, I think we'll we'll start to see those sack numbers pile up. But to answer your question, I could see us upgrading our linebacking core, trying to get more explosive and faster on that second level, maybe competing with Jake Ryan for that second linebacker spot, or looking to fill Joe Thomas's dime linebacker role. I don't know whether that's going to go to Josh Jones or uh, you know another safety like they were working in Morgan Burnett last year. Um, and then just other positions, I would like to see a more traditional tight end to complement Jimmy Graham. The Zach Ertzes of the world only work when you have the Brent Sellicks of the world. And Jimmy Graham, we know what he is. He's a big, athletic, strong, mismatched wide receiver that we know isn't really going to overwhelm anybody or block anybody in the trenches. So if you want to disguise run looks, I think we need a more traditional tight end in there to you know, hold his own, blocking, and giving the illusion of run, and then working in some past concepts off of that. And there's plenty of tight ends in the draft that aren't overwhelming blockers but can get the job done as a tight end one for them. Let's move to Detroit now, sitting at number 20. And they franchise tag Ziggy Ansah, and it doesn't seem like, although I believe I just saw a report in terms of a – New deal, I believe, for Ziggy Ansah. Oh, he signed the franchise tag. Yes, he did. He signed yeah. the franchise tag with the Lions, but doesn't seem like there's anything in terms of like a, a long-term deal. So this could be Ziggy Ansah's last year with the Lions. So does edge rusher become a priority at number 20? I could definitely see them going edge rusher. They have a couple other needs on their board uh, as well that they want to surround Matt Stafford with some better weapons now that Eric Ebron is no longer there as their athletic tight end, and they really want a bell cow type of running back. I know they brought in LeGarrette Blunt in free agency, and there's been some rumors on the future of Amir Abdullah with the team. So a lot of a lot of mocks and you know boards I've seen have running back going to the Lions in either round one or round two. If a Darius Geis is sitting there at number 20, I can definitely see him going to the Lions, or if they want to wait to round two and maybe a a Nick Chubb or a Sony Michelle or even a Rashad Penny from San Diego State. Uh, they want someone back there that can, you know, take some pressure off of Matt Stafford and maybe carry the ball 20 to 25 games uh, and take a little bit of that work off of the quarterback. But, yeah, to answer your question with the edge rushers, aside from Ziggy Ansah, they don't have a whole lot of depth back there or project players to work in in the future. 
So it's definitely something they're going to have to address. And, you know, there's plenty of young spark plug edge rushers in this draft, whether it's Okoronkwo from Oklahoma or Jeff Holland from uh, Auburn or Marquise Haynes from Old Miss. I think that's the type of route a lot of teams are going nowadays and trying to get maybe a undersized edge rusher with a little more foot speed off the edge. And you almost took the words right out of my mouth because my next question was going to be about running back and you mentioned a bunch of mocks. Me personally, I've had a recent mock where I've had guys being selected by the Lions at 20. I mean, we know the stat where they've gone, what, five seasons, something like that, without a 100-yard rusher. So certainly running back has to has to be an option. But and, and there's so many intriguing running backs at each yep. tier of the draft. If you don't get that Chubb or Sony Michelle or Rashad Penny in round one or round two, then you have Kerryon Johnson or Kalen Bellage or John Kelly from Tennessee, Mark Walton. Or even if you want to wait a little later, you have Royce Freeman from Oregon or a Daryl Williams from LSU. It's, just, it's a very deep position. I can definitely see them maybe even going the Green Bay route of taking two or three throughout the entire draft. Yeah, and I was about to ask you that as well because that, that's, you know, a lot of people are obviously talking about Saquon Barkley and for good reason being arguably the, the best running back and maybe the best running back prospect in a while. But you're right, this this is a deep class, so I don't think teams necessarily have to panic if they don't get one of those top picks. I mean, you you mentioned some of them, and you know, even let, let's go back to Green Bay for a second if you feel they might go running back. Who are, who are some like sleepers that maybe Green Bay could pick up or even Detroit, two teams in this division that could maybe use a little, little bit of extra depth or help at the running back position? Yeah, I really like Green Bay's running back room at the moment with Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, mm-hmm. uh, and Jamal Williams, I think are a really interesting, dynamic, three-headed, stable running backs. And that leaves, you know, I'm not sure where Devontae Mays lays uh, on the roster bubble. But uh, as far as other teams, like Chicago, maybe adding another piece behind Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, there's some guys you could get later rounds, whether it's an Akron Wadley from Iowa, who's kind of a shifty, theoretic type of pass catcher. Uh, Justin Crawford from West Virginia is a really interesting, tough runner. If you want to go big body bruiser, Bo Scarborough is probably going to last till round five, six, seven. And there's a bunch of just interesting guys. I mean, Rock Thomas, who's from Jacksonville State, uh, via Auburn. He was a five-star high school running back that everybody knew in the country, and he was a really talented, explosive player. He had some issues with the coaching staff and transferred schools. But it's it's just guys like that that there's just talent up and down the board. And, you know, I think uh, every team is looking to add a dynamic player in the backfield. We all saw, you know, what Christian McCaffrey and Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara did for their teams. And I think, you know, you just want that mismatched player in the backfield, and hopefully you have an offensive coordinator that can get the most out of them. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And kind of one thing that's always intrigued me, and I've always been interested how others do, just in general draft terms, when you look at a whole bunch of these prospects, how you kind of tier them into, okay, who's a day one player, who's going to fall to day three and why? You know, what's your, what's your take on just general draft positions and how you kind of stack them, as it were? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and there's no science to it. You know, there's you can't just put these guys into some you know prospect formula machine and it tells you where they're going to get drafted because of what. There's no science to any of this. There's no way to predict success in the NFL. There's so many factors on the field, off the field, between the ears, situations, luck, coaching. So, and to see, you know, some of the coaching jobs of uh, last year and just kind of veering off for a second and the things that, like, Pat Shermer did with Case Keenum or what Nathaniel Hackett did with Blake Bortles or Doug Peterson with Foles or McVay and Jared Goff, you just put so much value in the coaching and putting these guys in positions to be successful and what you're giving them and asking them to do. Uh, but to answer your question as far as stacking them, you know, just weighing in all those factors, trying to not be too negative, not ripping these players apart rather than saying, don't tell me everything they can't do. Tell me what they can do for a team at the next level. And as you start to build up the different traits of what can they do, as those can do's pile up, you realize their value is a little bit more important or you know, uh, more so than other players. And then you just start to get a pecking order of, of abilities and you end up with a board there. That's a great point because that's, that's, that's a quote I've heard a, a whole lot in terms of evaluating these players is what they can do. You know, never, you don't want to knock a guy too much for what they can't do because if they could do something, then they add some value to your team, even if it's just one or two trades. So I, I think that's an excellent point. Let's go to Minnesota now, who made a run to the NFC Championship game before being washed out by Philadelphia. Uh, but when you look at Minnesota right now, I mean, th- this roster just looks fantastic. You, you could argue really the only position of need, immediate need, is offensive line, interior offensive line. And if they can fix that, then they really could have a complete roster and really will contend uh, for a Super Bowl. So what's your take on the Vikings? You know, how can they improve the offensive line? Who are some prospects that can maybe fit them, you know, maybe at number 30 or, you know, on day two? Yeah, I mean, the Vikings, uh, you know, comparatively to the rest of the league, the roster is in a pretty good position. Uh, they're still trying to figure out some things at interior offensive line. I think the play out of Pat Elfline last year really impressed them at center. They went and spent money on Riley Reef. They're still figuring out their guards with Nick Easton and Tom Compton. Uh, they're super excited to have Dalvin Cook back. And he played absolutely outstanding for them in training camp, the preseason, in those first couple weeks in the season. A lot of people kind of forget that they lost Dalvin Cook. Everybody thought about Bridgewater and Sam Bradford. Dalvin Cook was the real, uh, you know, kick below the belt for that team and uh, what it took away from them and just how talented he is. Uh, One of the positions I think people aren't considering with the Vikings are they're very unsettled at the wide receiver position. They like Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs is a great slot receiver, 
But besides that, they need to figure out if Laquan Treadwell is in the plans moving forward. You know, we went and got Kendall Wright in free agency just to add a veteran piece in there. But I think they're still looking for that true number one receiver to be more of a big-bodied guy, a quarterback's best friend for Kirk Cousins on the outside. I think they just need to figure out if Laquan Treadwell is going to be part of the plans moving forward and can be worked into the offense a little bit more. And then on defense, I mean, one of the best defenses – uh, really in NFL history last year, considering what they were doing to teams on third down. They have great D-line depth. They got Sheldon Richardson now, Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, some of the best edge players or an edge combo in the NFL. They just re-signed Eric Kendricks to a five-year deal. I think their starting unit is pretty good. They would love some more depth at linebacker. They need to figure out who their nickelback's going to be going forward. I know they uh, – uh, they had Captain Munderland there for a little bit last year. They started working Mackenzie Alexander, the second-year player from Clemson. And then once Andrew uh, Sandejo got hurt and he took that big hit in a playoff game, they realized their safety depth was a little lacking. Uh, they had J. Ron Curse back there and Anthony Harris, who just their level of play wasn't as strong. So just adding some more depth on the, that back end and if in case the starter goes down. But you know, you make the NFC Championship game and you bring in some talent like Kirk Cousins and things like that, and you get Dalvin Cook back on the field, they're in a pretty good position to take uh, whoever the best available on the board is. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the secondary, and I know obviously Xavier Rhodes has been a stud, but I've seen some differing opinions in, in terms of uh, Trey Wayne's. You know, so is, is there a way that he can improve, or, you know, you mentioned. How, th- how that can be an option position-wise. Could they improve on him, or is there anything he could potentially do to um, be part of the plans in the future? Yeah, I think Trey Waynes is a nice cornerback, too, as a compliment to Xavier Rhodes. And Xavier Rhodes is a follow corner, so he'll take the other team's best assignment, typically, uh, which gives some pressure off of Trey Waynes. And, you know, Trey Waynes, it was only his third year last year. Xavier Rhodes is in his fifth year. So he's really coming to his own. I think they're still looking for Trey Wayne just to grow a little bit more, play a little faster as far as play ID and route recognition and things like that. Um, but I don't think they see him as a detriment or somebody they're looking to replace or, hey, we have to get more competition in here because he's really lacking. Uh, I think definitely that nickelback position is a more of a concern. Mackenzie Alexander really didn't play well last year when he had to step in and replace Terrence Newman who replaced uh, Captain Munderland from the year before. And I think we just know the value of that position in the NFL and that, I mean, most teams are sub-package on defense anyways. So your nickelback's a very important player and uh, almost becoming a starting position on most teams. So overall, what's your outlook for the entire division with the draft and then going into the season? Uh, and, you know, most of the rosters are, are pretty well put together. You know, I think uh, Minnesota and Detroit uh, have pretty good rosters on paper that they don't have to get too desperate with positions of need and what they do need, I think, are available. You know, getting Kirk Cousins in the in the division just adds another intriguing quarterback with Rodgers and Stafford. Um, and now we have young uh, Mitch Trubisky, who looked pretty good in his rookie year. I don't know. You know, I think it's going to be a really tough competitive division moving forward. We just need Aaron Rodgers to, to stay healthy for a 16-game season just to see where where the Green Bay Packers would be on a uh, more competitive scale. But, you know, it's a fun division. I think it's one of the better ones in football, and uh, I think uh, they'll live up to those expectations as they have the past couple of years. 
And Minnesota, we said they have a great roster, definitely one of the favorites. How do you think they compare? And kind of stepping away uh, real quick from the division before we head out, the Vikings compared to the other perceived top teams in the NFC, namely the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants to, you know, get after the passer and protect your passer. They went and got Sheldon Richardson. That Eagles championship game was a uh, big eye-opener for their Minnesota's offensive line. And just to see what Timmy Jernigan and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham did to that offensive line and the way they disrupt their offense, disrupted the offense and their run game the entire game, I think they know they need to upgrade their guard positions. They need to get tougher up front. And I think they want to establish more of a run game staple and not put as much pressure on the quarterback. Kirk Cousins, they spent a lot of money on. But if they can have this be a Dalvin Cook offense, I think that's kind of their priority. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Ben, really appreciate you taking time to join us here. Uh, If you got anything going on or what you're working on and where people can find you, go ahead and give a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Ben Fennell underscore NFL. That's F-E-N-N-E-L-L. I uh, work for NFL Network this time of year as uh, Mike Mayock's producer, doing a lot of his video packages for the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Draft. So be sure to uh, check out NFL Network's draft coverage next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where we have some of the best in the business on the set from Daniel Jeremiah and Mayock and Charles Davis, hosted by Rich Eisen. And, uh, you know, this is just a fun time of year and, you know, just grinding through all these prospects. And it's also eye-opening just to see how many prospects are out there. And no matter where you play, Division One, Two, NAIA, Canada, play your game. And these NFL guys and these scouts will find you. And it's always a cool process each year just to see where these players are coming from and the lengths NFL uh, scouting community will go to find talent. But... You know, that's why the NFL draft is great and makes for great conversation and must-see TV. Awesome stuff, man. Again, Ben Fennell, NFL Network, really appreciate you taking time. It was a great, great time, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Bill. No problem. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Setti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And remember, find the show on iTunes and Spotify, Twitter, Twitter. Tune in, sorry, Stitcher. I'm getting those names mixed up. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. But for this particular day, I am out, and we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Take care, my friend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.